0: Hi everyone and welcome to another episode of IC Data People and here with us is Salam Bisan, a senior director of product in SimilarWeb. Hi Salam.
1: Nice to meet you everyone.
0: Hi, it's great to have you here and uh, to give a short intro, uh, you're leading the market research data product which utilizes one of the most interesting combination of user-based data and behavioral science. Uh, Salam is also a board member in Women in Tech and prior to SimilarWeb, she led the product at Toluna and previously worked also at eBay, Microsoft, and Intel. Salam, it's a pleasure uh, to have you in IC Data People.
1: It's an absolute pleasure to be here, and thank you so much for inviting me.
0: Of course, and you know, right before we dive into specific questions about uh, data, I'd love to start with a discussion that we actually have, I think, in the industry. It's about the gender dynamics or gender bias. Or you know, eighty percent of our listeners are actually men. Uh, we're trying very hard to interview more women, but having a very hard time finding women, uh, female leaders in, in the data world. And, you know, it's very curious because we're really trying. And as a board member in Women in Tech, we'd love to hear your perspective on what we can do in the industry to change that.
1: It's an absolutely super important cause and I'm very happy that you uh, chose to ask this question and, and raise this uh, very important topics. Uh, and as you mentioned, it's no secret that the data industry uh, is basically predominantly male. And we and women in tech are actively trying to address this uh, gender imbalance in tech in general, but also, of course, in uh, data. Um, gender diversity, as well as equity and inclusion in the uh, data industry, and again, all industries, in fact, uh, is indeed a significant challenge. But the good things uh, are that we actively can take steps. Uh, to promote the change and bridge basically this gap. Uh, there are a few ways that um, I think and I highly believe in can basically bridge this gap. First things first is tackling the unconscious bias. And I will explain to you exactly what I mean by that. Uh, each of us as human beings uh, is biased to some extent, right? Whether it's our own thoughts or beliefs, and this bias is formed by our own life experiences and the environments and circles of people we normally interact with, and it's absolutely fine. But uh, we should all be very well aware of this bias and reconstruct it in a way that it will bridge those gaps. So for instance, a concrete example, if you're a C-level VP, director, CEOs, founders of the world, ask yourself this very important question. Am I fulfilling my social responsibility by fostering equal opportunities to women in the data industry? Sounds like a very super simple question, but it's very important. And when you want to promote or build a task force, look for those women because they are out there. There are a lot of women, I know personally, and many other women out there that are in STEM, uh, that are analysts, data science, engineers, machine learning, all those expertise, women exist there and the question is, and the action that we should be taking is, how can we find them and promote them and uh, give them more visibility? And of course, there's a very important aspect specifically for increasing um, the exposure of women and uh, promoting women founders um, or leaders in the data industry is by providing equal access for equity. And this is a very, very important point. Um, because there's many factor to uh, why it is what it is, but we're not going to talk about the factors right now. We're going to talk about how to promote that. Um, one quote that I really like to quote, I quote that at least five times a month when I'm invited to speak on certain places, which is the big con, which is what we are led to believe, is that men are from Mars and women are from Venus. We're not better than men. We're not worse from men. We're actually not different from men cognitively. So I encourage VCs, investors, everyone that in, in a decision-making position to seek out those women and foster for a more equitable uh, environment um, and basically ensure a level playing field for the uh, entrepreneurial success for women um, and also uh, concrete uh, steps that we can take already today, which is provide mentorship programs, uh, networking opportunities and uh, training initiatives specifically targeted at women. But it doesn't have to be by women for women, by everybody for everybody. So this is a, a very important point. And this is my take on how we can promote for um, more uh, equitable um, data industry. Uh, and I hope that uh, others will, uh, you know, promote the same values.
2: Well, um, this this is great. And thank you so much for, for really kind of walking through your perspective on on how we can empower more women to be in in the data space and and be leaders in the data space. And I I think I'd love to to get your thoughts on another element of corporate culture. And in particular, um, really, you've worked in large companies, you've worked in smaller companies. um, And I'd love to get your thoughts on on how corporate culture around data actually has has influenced your views and, and how you think, Know, really these these different companies of, of in different sectors, of different sizes, different stages in their life cycle, um, how how do you think about their data operations and how has that influenced your perspective on the data landscape?
1: Let me tell you, this combination of large and small companies that I worked uh, with or for, it was very intentional, and I will explain to you why. Um, when I started my career in data and in tech, I knew that I wanted to have a holistic view um, of data, whether it's uh, um, types of data, which is quantitative, qualitative, behavioral, structural, and of course others, or a technological company that is available in a B2C market, B2B, SaaS, DAS, all the buzzwords that we all keep saying. Um, And also the size of the company is super important. So um, I wanted to acquire skills and knowledge in a multi-diversified, let's call it, technological companies, uh, combining those. And of course, there's no one company or two companies that has all those combinations. um, And one would never have a 360 uh, view of all the types of companies, all the types of data and and all the technologies. But uh, I aspire to have a rounded perspective um, in that space because I love data. Um, uh, And from my experience, the different roles in corporate data cultures in those companies that I worked with or for um, influenced my perspective on the data landscape in a way that um, I was able to obtain this well-rounded perspective that we talked about. For instance, in large organizations, there's often wealth of resources and access to vast amounts of data, which can be both a blessing and a curse. It's not really a curse, it's a challenge, of course. Um, and, And it will really require effective data management strategies and the ability to navigate complex organizational structures, and this is something that defines large organizations or corporations. Uh, On the other hand, if you take smaller data businesses or smaller companies, often provide more agility and the opportunity to experience with innovative approaches, um, try different approaches, learn from um, uh, the experiences, and this allows for a closer collaboration across teams Uh, Because of the organizational uh, uh, structure and a deeper understanding of the entire data lifecycle. I'm not saying, of course, that uh, big companies don't have agility or smaller companies don't have a wealth of resources. It's actually um, uh, not a right saying, but normally... Uh, this is the differentiation between big versus uh, um, small companies, data companies, and I'm very happy that I got to experience and still experiences both uh, and learning from both. And I can tell you that also in large companies, for instance, uh, similar web, um, even the, uh, within the company, you can experience both, both the agility of a small business and also the wealth of the resources uh, and data, and this is uh, quite a unique uh, combination. Uh, and that's basically my preference around um, how the data shaped my uh, life experiences as, uh, as you know, a person working in data.
2: So let's let's push on that thread a little bit more. you you've obviously had access to a lot of different types of data um, and, and really have been able to analyze a lot of uh, data in a lot of different ways. I'd love to know what is the most powerful insight you've seen from data recently?
1: I keep saying that uh, data is the gift that keeps giving. (laughs) Of course, with all the challenges that come with it, but uh, recently um, I've experienced uh, a challenge that I try to, and and of course solve, um, the growing impact of personalized data-driven experiences. Uh, And it's very powerful because Users today, whether it's B2B, B2C, whatever, users want to have a tailor-made personalized experience specifically for them. Me as a user, don't show me all the data out there. I'm not interested. Show me something that answers to my needs, answers to my personal preferences, to my beliefs, to my interests, to my perspectives. And uh, this challenge is actually an opportunity because a data company that really knows Um, how to deal with those types of uh, challenges and how to utilize the right technologies, the right methodologies to be able to extract the insights that are needed to personalize the experience for users. It's actually a tremendous, huge added value. And I'm so blessed to have this uh, insight. uh, uh, um, And also with the advancements of technology and the availability of user-based behavioral data Uh, which is my personal favorite, Uh, companies can now learn how to tailor their products and services to the the individual um, preferences for users. Uh, And of course it can significantly enhance um, the KPIs that we all know, customer satisfaction, engagement, and ultimately the ultimate goal of driving uh, business growth. Uh, And this is one of the main insights that um, I came across uh, lately. And another notable insight is the power of behavioral science in analyzing user data, because combining both behavioral science principles and data analytics, we can gain way deeper insights into users' motivations, decision-making processes, and also predict better the future behavior which also uh, relates to uh, the insights that I shared before about uh, customization and tailor-made experiences uh, for users. Um, and that's basically uh, the most recent insights that I gained.
0: Salam, thanks uh, so much for this. Uh, I have a, a quite different question, but what challenges is no one talking about?
1: Yeah. There's a lot of challenges in the data industry. Uh, Some of them are getting enough attention. Some are not. Some emerging uh, technologies or trends that until you pick up on what's happening, uh, you know, things move uh, forward very fast. And when you start talking about the challenge, it's way behind you. So uh, let's talk about the most recent. um, um, I mentioned in the beginning that data is how I see it, a gift that keeps giving also in 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 the challenge sense of it, because um let's look at for instance, the rise of the chat GPTs of the world, generative AI and all those uh, you know technologies that existed before but right now is um nothing and being visible much more than it used to be before uh It's very important to address the biases that perhaps are created but by those types of technology because those technologies are basically trained by data and humans. And if you remember in the beginning, we talked about the human unconscious bias. So it comes into play, right? Because taking that bias, teaching a machine, the machine will be biased. The machine will generate insights that are biased. So that's a, that's a challenge, a very big one. And I know that it's being talked about, maybe not enough. Um, and the fairness is really very, very important here. And um, more particularly, if you talk about like sensitive areas such as hiring, lending, criminal justice, anything that involves humans' emotions and affects their future, this is very, very sensitive. And, and those challenges will require some ongoing discussions and collaborations from many parties that should be involved, such as industry experts, policymakers, Uh, regulators and each and every one of us and our listeners, of course, as people that are um, data savvy. And this is very important. And and the end goal is to prevent any unethical use of data because unethical use of data is going to harm everyone, not only technology, basically everyone. And this is a very important topic.
0: I definitely agree. Uh, But now for a different uh, topic. What is your most controversial opinion?
1: Maybe you've heard it before. Maybe it's controversial. Maybe it's less controversial. But uh, my personal perspective on data challenges the notion that data is, let's say, the sole determinant of success in the data industry. Okay? And this probably can spark a debate around that. Um, So I'll say it. Data alone is not the ultimate answer to all the problems. Okay. It might be controversial. It might be not controversial, but I know that um, data by itself, for itself alone, is not the answer to everything. Uh, The human layer should be on top of it. Um, The uh, knowledge and the emotions and the sentiments that people bring in, humans bring in, is very important. And uh, there should be uh, basically a complementary forms of uh, intelligence um, on top of the data. So data itself is great, amazing, we love data, but other complementary layers uh, such as the human intuition and domain expertise and um, almost certain that there are aspects of human decision making that cannot be fully captured by data alone. Although all of us highly believe in data and we know the values, and, and uh, again, we love data for the third time, um, but we absolutely, um, uh, b- me absolutely believe that uh, it's essential to strike a balance between leveraging data-driven insights and harnessing the uh, human judgment to make those informed decisions.
2: So, as you look out into the future—call it five years from now—do you think that the that human beings are going to be better at at being in the loop with the data there, or or do you have another sort of you know projection for where the world is going five years from now, or at least the, where the data world is going five years from now?
1: Human must be uh, harnessing the power of data to make the world better. Otherwise, what are we doing? Right? There's no other option. Uh So, yeah, absolutely. Five years from now, I do see some motions and trends that already started happening uh, that make the world better, keeping in mind the challenges that we talked about. And there's many other challenges, of course. So harnessing the technology and the data in the right way should put us in a much better place with the right regulations, with the right, you know, uh, uh consciousness for data privacy users, you know, ethics. This is very important. Um, what trends are going to be, uh, in the future? Who knows? But, uh, my, my personal, uh, let's say dream is to be able to, uh, have so much data at my fingerprints, <laughs> to be able to, uh, to harness the data in the way that I didn't before to generate more insights from, from the data and to be able to uh, take those insights and build new experiences, new products that will make businesses better, users better. Because I want to be able to take the data and also empower people um, to get there. So this is my, my biggest dream.
0: Salam, this was a great wrap-up to, to the episode. I'm really grateful for your uh, uh, conversation and your thoughts about this topic. It's uh, super important. Uh, thanks for, uh, for joining us.
1: Thank you so much for inviting me. And I hope to be here again.